good morning, everybody. Happy New Year. And we are excited uh, to have with us today Travis Mills. Travis is an Army Staff Sergeant with 82nd Airborne, and he is one of five surviving quadruple amputees. And he travels the country encouraging wounded warriors from coast to coast. We're really glad to have him. Travis lives in Maine with his wife and his family. And uh, he loves Jesus and he loves Texas. So give him a big, warm Texas welcome, Travis Mills. Thank you. Good morning, good morning, thank you. All right. Oh, you guys are awesome. I don't deserve, thank you. Thank you, please. All right, please have a seat. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to have some fun today. Uh, if you're here for the first time, you're going to hear a lot of the same story. I apologize. Uh, I was going to switch it up to a shark bite today, but it just didn't, that soul surfer beat me in the punch, you know, so. Because you still had a hand to punch with? No? Okay, never mind. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, standing in front of you today, i got to be honest, I'm a little bit nervous, right? Just hope I don't bomb this, you know, because last time what happened? Um, I think it's important to start my presentation off the same way every time because it really sets the tone for how today's supposed to go. And the first thing I will tell you about me is, number one, I'm awesome, okay? Yeah. Number two, I'm humble. In that order. Next thing, we should be friends on a personal level, and I'm going to tell you guys a secret about myself you didn't know before today. Something you can take home and tell your family and friends. Here's my big secret. I wash my hands. I don't wash them after I use the bathroom. I just don't wash my hands if I use the bathroom, guys. I wash my hand. You see what I... Are you kidding me right now? You know, and let me tell you guys something. Um, I like to tell jokes. I think it really helps disarm the situation, right? So, I know, I know, I'm funny, knee slapper, if you, if you got them, you know, I don't, but if you do, hammer away. So ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for being here, I appreciate you guys allowing me to be part of this service. I'm a motivational speaker, I travel the nation, and I talk to a lot of corporate offices. So uh, my faith in, in my religion doesn't really come into my presentations because that's not the corporate norm and, and uh, things like that. So today we're going to incorporate some of that. I'm excited that you guys are allowing me to share my message and my story with you. So let's get underway, all right? On the screen you're going to see Staff Sergeant Travis Mills of the 82nd Airborne Division. I jump out of airplanes and kick bad guys in the face. I love it. And I'm my wife right there, best wife in the world, my wife Kelsey. And, um, and our daughter in this picture was just born a, a month ago or two months ago. And here's the thing, no offense to any spouses in the room, but I have the legitimate best spouse in the world. And here's how I know, not just because she's watching on Facebook Live over here, but here's how I know she's number one. When my daughter was born, right, she came into this world, we thought, what do we name this sweet little angel? I thought maybe Madison or Avery. And my wife looked at me from her hospital, looked up at me and goes, we have to name her Chloe Lynn, don't we? And I said, we don't have to, what makes you even think that? And she said, well, because you idiot, you already got your ex-girlfriend's name tattooed on your arm. So, yeah. I know, I know. So, so we named her. We named her Chloe Lynn, and that's not true. My ex-girlfriend's name's the Devil. Um, we'll talk about her. Don't worry. So, anyways, 
Our daughter was born. Everything is going great. I just bought a house in North Carolina. I just made a staff sergeant. But let's not start the story there. Let's back it up a little bit. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm from the great state of Michigan. On the top left of your screen, you'll see my mom and dad's favorite day in their whole entire lives. That's April 14, 1987, when their favorite child was born. You can look at the screen and see I have siblings, right? Let me tell you what happened. First kid, my sister, the doctor said, it's a girl. My dad said, oh, oh, okay. Not what I wanted, but okay. And then um, back to the drawing board. They had me. They cried perfection. They're like, oh my gosh, she's here. They held me up. They put orange stuff on my forehead. They played circle, uh, you know, it's just beautiful. It's like I was on Pride Rock, the lion cub. It's me is what I'm saying. So then they got a little cocky. They thought they could duplicate me, right? So they had my brother and they saw him and they were like, oh, okay. <laughs> so they just stuck with me as their favorite and the other two tag-alongs. But growing up, played a lot of sports, right? Football, baseball, basketball, powerlifting. I don't mean to brag, but I still hold a shop at record for junior high. Got to high school, right? Played football, basketball, baseball. And I was a varsity captain in the football team and, um, and the ba basketball team junior, senior years. Varsity baseball captain, actually sophomore, junior, senior years. And I tell you that because like a lot of you in this room, <laughs> like Andy Boyd, you guys know, he brought me in. Andy, stand up real quick, take a bow. He brought me in. If I'm bad, give him all the negative comments. Uh, if I do good, correct him at me. But me and Andy have so much in common when I met him, both very good looking, right? both driven, and we both peaked in high school. So, I know it's sad, but true. First thing he says, hey man, in high school this one time, I, I'm like, oh, <laughs> I know your type, just like me. But I played football and basketball and baseball, and uh, let's take a walk on the wild side, just look how awesome I was. I was number uh, five, I was a running back. I'd run a touchdown here and there, I'd make tackles here and there. I was a linebacker, I was the best trash talker you ever saw. And you think this guy's gonna get me, but he's just not, <laughs> nope. Oh my gosh, glory days, glory days. I had arms and legs then. So anyway, after high school, I had a choice to play football or baseball at college, and I chose football. I went to a small community college, and I played this new position I never played before. Because in high school, I was a kicker, punter, and I was a fullback and linebacker. And in college, I played sideline. Yeah, I know. I was like, this is, uh-uh. I know, it's crazy. And um, after the season was, was wrapping up, the coach of the baseball team came and found me. He said, hey, Travis, you're an all-state catcher. How come you're not playing baseball. And I was like, well, I played football. He goes, well, I got a starting spot. The starting catcher broke his shoulder, the backup transferred, and lo and behold, I have your scouting report right here on my desk. Go, I have a starting spot for you on my team. I said, man, coach, that's awesome. I was living two and a half hours away from home, had my own apartment. Like, this, this couldn't get better. I said, I'll let you know tomorrow if I can play. Went back to my apartment and I called my girlfriend back home in my hometown of Vassar, Michigan, two and a half hours away. And I said, hey, the baseball coach said I can play. He's got a starting spot for me, how great is that? She goes, well, that sounds nice, but I thought you were moving home. And I was like, well, why would I do that? And she said, because I love you, you're moving home for me. And I went, oh, right. Back to the coach, I said, coach can't play for you, you gotta move home with my girlfriend, because she loves me. Can you believe he looked at me and said, that's stupid. <laughs> I looked at him and I scowled back and said, you're stupid, and I moved home. Two weeks later though, I met her boyfriend, Colin. And yeah. It got awkward quick. So I joined the military. And if you guys think about it, like, with, like I do, I'm like, how did this happen? How did I lose my arms and legs? It's her fault. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I know, she's awful. So anyways, I went to, I was like, you know, I gotta try something different. I went to talk to the recruiting 
um, station, and I went to the Marines in the Army, and the Marine, I walked in, the guy's like, you want to be a Marine? And I'm like, oh, man, that, I'm just jacked up for that. Yeah, tell me about it. And he told me, put me in a career field, and I'm like, that sounds prestigious. What's that even mean? And he told me, like, if I want to be an electrician, I said, okay, I'll bite. Yeah, he goes, you might be a plumber or a generator mechanic. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, career field. And he kept repeating it. I was like, that's weird. So I went to the Army's office, and the guy's like, hey, man, you want to join the Army? I said, maybe, tell me about it. He goes, I'll give you a $24,000 signing bonus if you sign up right now. I'm like, what? I'm no dummy, though. I said, hold that thought, bro. I went back to that Marine. I said, hey, what's your signing bonus? He stands up, and he goes, honor, duty, respect. I'm like, no, I, yeah, no, I want that bonus. That's, that's great, but I'm talking cash money, bro. He goes, there's no money here. And I'm like, what idiot would join that branch of service? <laughs> Any Marines? <laughs> you know who you are. <laughs> so I joined the Army, and then $24,000. You know where that money's at today? <laughs> yeah, me neither. Me neither. But I went to basic training, airborne school, and they made it to Fort Bragg, North Carolina. When I got to Fort Bragg, they let me know I was going to deploy for 15 months very exciting. I went overseas to Afghanistan for 15 months, and while I was over there, I would go on missions every day, come back, lift weights three hours a day. I went from six foot three, 230 pounds, right? Pretty good stature for football, to six foot three, 275. I was like, get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. And did you guys see that? Did, no? Okay. Anyway, so while I was over there, I had a medic from Frisco, Texas. His name was Josh Buck, and I knew everything about this guy, right? He was married, had the baby on the way. We rode in the same truck together. He, um, Loved to rope and ride in the rains and everything. And um, he went home in September of 2007 and watched his daughter be born. And when he went home, I got a MySpace friend request. And when the MySpace friend request popped up, I saw a picture, which is on the screen, I believe, or going to be on the screen. And uh, there's a cowgirl hat, jean skirt, brown blouse. And I was like, oh, I don't know her. That's a dating site. I went to hit delete. But before I hit delete, I realized, oh, my goodness, that's the same last name as my medic. You see, I knew everything about this guy but one thing. He had an 18-year-old sister in college. <laughs> so I hit accept. And we started chit-chatting, and we decided the only logical thing to do was we should go to Mexico, right? She's 18, I'm 20. Sounds about right. So we decided to go to Cozumel, Mexico for our very first date. I flew into Dallas on my 18-day R&R, and I knocked on the door, and her dad, her dad like answers the door, right? He's looking up at me. His knees are trembling. He's like, please, please don't hurt me, sir. And I'm like, I'm not going to hurt you, and I gave him a noogie. Um, yeah, he's like, oh, th th thank you, sir. And I'm like, now get out of here. And I smacked him on the butt, and I sent him on his way. That never happened like that. Uh, it's probably important to let you guys know in the back of the room, running the, the screen here, my father-in-law. Thanks for not killing me, Craig. Get every right. But anyways, we went to Mexico for a week, back to Michigan for a week, where I'm from. Back overseas, I went. Um, I got held up for the night. Um, I flew her into Atlanta. The next day, we're saying our goodbyes. Crocodile tears streaming down her face. And she's up there going, I love you. You know, and I've already established I'm not a Marine. I'm not dumb. I'm not like, oh, this sounds great, air five, or high five, whatever. So I said, whatever I says, I love you too. Then she says, I want to marry you. And I'm like, I want to marry you too. Like, that's easy enough. I'm not going to lose my girlfriend. I just met two weeks ago, right? So I go ahead and strut my stuff, get back on the airplane. I fly back to Afghanistan. And 24 hours later from when I saw her last, I gave her a call. Hey, what's going on? And she says, guess what? And I'm like, I don't know what. The wedding's planned. Oh. Oh, okay. So I had to call her dad on the phone. Hey, can I marry your daughter? She says yes. Bought her ring, Zales.com, right? Came back, got married, got a dog, right? Got an apartment. Everything's going great, and then I have to deploy again. I go back to Afghanistan for a year, and on my second deployment, I had a little more firefights. I lived in the middle of nowhere. I took four showers in one year. 
Not by choice, but I mean, just where we lived. On the way back home, though, I gave her a call. And she said, hey, guess what? And automatically, I'm like, oh, no. Last time she said that, I got married. <laughs> now what? I said, I don't know what. She said, I bought a house today. I said, how did, how did you buy it? You're in college. Like, you don't have any income. How did you buy a house today? And she said, well, do you remember that power of attorney that you signed? I said, yes, yes, for banking. You do anything in my name for banking? She goes, no, I can do anything in your name, period. You bought a house today. So I bought a house, and then, uh, yeah, I came back. She had to drive me home. It was nice. Got to walk through it. But we got a house, and four months after that, we found out we were going to have a baby, which was very exciting. And then in September of 2011, my daughter Chloe was born. And my daughter was born. I was just freshly promoted to E6, and everything was going my way. But my, uh, my unit got orders to go to Fort, uh, or I'm sorry, go to Afghanistan. And I got orders to go to Fort Hood, Texas. The big army said, hey, Travis, you know what? You've been overseas over two years combat. You need to take a break. And we're going to send you to Fort Hood. They got a new brigade starting up, and they need combat NCOs to lead it. I said, hey, that sounds great. I'll go after the deployment. No way am I going to let my guys go without me. Mission first, brotherhood. And my wife understood it, right? So I got my orders canceled, so I go to Afghanistan. So I went with my men over to Afghanistan. And the first day was a huge firefight. Second day was a huge firefight. Third day was the same as the first two, right? Very hot and intense zone. And about a month and a half in, we got a phone call. Village elder, hey, we got some guys here, we got some bad guys, we got some IEDs, can you come help us out? Yep, no problem, we'll be there. So we went ahead and started to strap our gear on like normal on April 10th, and as we were going on our patrol, we're talking about where we're gonna go, how we're gonna set up. We always use a minesweeper, like a, it's like a metal detector, we sweep the ground, you know, tell us if there's anything underneath it. Came back clear, not once but twice, the path came back clear, so I took my backpack and set it on the ground. When my backpack hit the ground though, it landed on an IED. And the IED was uh, set off by my 120-pound backpack, and it immediately tore off my right arm, right leg automatically. And then I found those pieces of me. Unfortunately, they disintegrated. I got thrown on the left side of my face, and when I rolled over my back to see the aftermath, my left leg was uh, mingled up really bad, no use in it. And my left arm, I still had use my thumb, index, and middle finger. But I wasn't able to um, get up or do anything. My medic came running up to me and work on me. I told my medic, don't worry about it, doc. You're not going to save me. Right, go fix my guys. Because in my head, I've unfortunately seen guys die for what I thought was a lot less injury. So I, I said, don't even worry about it. And he you know, ignored that. He started working on my right side of my body. My platoon started working on my left side of my body. And as they're working on me, I keep telling myself, don't freak out, right? Don't cry out in pain. And I keep seeing the movie Saving Private Ryan in my head. Because unfortunately, the medic in the movie gets shot in the stomach. He cries out for his mom and keeps you know, being louder and louder. And ultimately, he dies. And I'm like, my man will never see that. Because at the end of the day, it's not my choice if I live or die, right? At the end of the day, what's going to happen is going to happen. So for me, I just decided to stay calm. Matter of fact, I reached up to my trucker mic, which is my microphone. I called my lieutenant. I said, hey, Six, this is four. I got guys injured. I need your medic with mine. So he sent over Doc Voice. So now Doc Bateson and Doc Voice are working on me, Brandon, and Ryan. They get us to a helicopter. They fly us back to the hospital, and they take me into surgery. When they push me into surgery, I keep trying to sit up. And the nurses keep pushing me down. And about the fifth time, the nurse finally was like, look, Sergeant Mills, I don't know how you're still awake right now, but you need to go to sleep. Because I'm telling them, quit touching me, I'm fine, leave me alone. I'll get back to my guys. So they knock me out. Last thing I look at the nurse and I say, my little girl, am I ever going to see her again? Because I have a six-month-old little girl at home. And they knock me out. Next thing they do is they start to work on me. They start to undress me. And when they undress me, they take my pants off. My left leg, unfortunately, comes with it. I become a triple amputee automatically on the table. 14 hours of surgery go into me with nine doctors and seven nurses. 
right? Two nurses for nine hours pump air in and out of my lungs, keep me alive, which is really impressive. They loosened one tourniquet, I bleed out within two minutes and I'm done. But they worked on me. I had over 400 units of blood given to me that day, which was the most blood ever given to Kandahar at that time. My blood type even changed from A positive to O negative. <coughs> Sorry about the cough. Something you guys have in the air down here. But, so, they get me all, um, you know, critical but stable, I guess, in a way. They get me all done. My brother-in-law flies in from his outpost to be with me because when you deploy, you fill out a thing called a blue book. And the blue book in the military, you fill out your funeral, right? I want to be buried with this. I want to have this music played. I want to have a military or civilian style funeral. And I want this person to escort my body back home. And for me, my brother-in-law was going to be the one escorting my body back home to my, my wife and my parents. He flies into Kandahar and they get me stable. Two days after that, they find me to um, Bagram. And Bagram, they take me in for a washout. They see my, my hand is necrotized, my skin has died. They cut it off, I'm a quadruple amputee now. Two days after that, they fly me to Launchstool, Germany. Josh comes along with me. And they wake me up for the very first time on April 14th. When they wake me up for the first time, I come to finally when my brother-in-law is the only one in the room. And looked at my brother-in-law and said, you know, my soldiers, how are my soldiers, right? Mission first. He told me, Ryan's here, Brandon's there, you took most of the blast. I said, am I paralyzed? He said, no. I said, Josh, I can't feel my fingers and toes. Tell me the truth, am I paralyzed? He looked at me and said, hey man, you're not paralyzed, but you don't have your fingers and toes anymore. Didn't sugarcoat it, just told me. I said, oh, and immediately I went silent. Doctors come in, nurses come in, Josh tried talking to me for three hours, talked to nobody. Because in my head I have questions, am I a bad person? Does God hate me, right? What did I do wrong in life to deserve this? How can I be a husband and a father anymore? And the biggest question I had was, why didn't I just die? How is this better? Finally, Josh chimes in and goes, hey man, I'm not gonna pretend like I know what you're going through but you gotta call your wife and your parents. I agreed, I said, okay, fine. Called my wife, she answered, I said, hey, what's up, I'm fine, love you, bye. I didn't talk to her, didn't wanna have the conversation. Then he went ahead and he called um, my parents. My parents answered, I said, hey, what's up, I'm fine, love you, bye. Before he could hang the phone up though, my mom yelled through, hey, Travis, happy birthday, by the way. It was my 25th birthday that day. Three days after that, I arrived in Launchstool. I mean, I'm sorry, at Walter Reed from Launchstool. And as they're pushing me in, my wife runs up to me, right? You think that Kodak moment, like she's like, I'll love you forever, and you know, gives me a big hug, but really they give her a clipboard and say, Mrs. Mills, his right leg has ripped open, his suture split, we have to cut two inches off his right leg, or he'll bleed out and die, and you have to sign it over because you're in charge, of, uh, in charge of his medical care now. So she takes clipboard, looks at me, and she's like, oh, I didn't want to deal with this anyway, he can bleed out, it's cool, and like hands it back and walks away. <laughs> All right, yeah, you guys are listening, good. No, she didn't, she didn't do that. So she signs a clipboard, and um, they take me in for surgery. The next day she comes in, I look at her, and I say, look, Kels, you're 23, I'm 25, we have a six-month-old, you don't have to do this, right? Everything we have is yours. The house, the cars, any money saved up, financially, whatever I can do for you, I will do, but you can take Chloe and go live a life. I don't want to be a burden on your life. Go live happily and don't worry about it. And she's like, you know, I've thought about that, but I really want handicap parking. So, <laughs> so I'm gonna stay. Now, she said, that's not how this works. We're going to do this together. So, ladies and gentlemen, I get the chance now to go around and talk about motivation, goal setting, right? Um, healthcare technology, like how this stuff all works, and also perspective, because that's what life's all about. It boils down to that. And then today, I get the fortunate opportunity to talk a little bit more about my faith and about my relationship with God and where it's at and, and where it came from, um, because it was fractured a little bit there in the beginning of my injury. So, first thing is I got to get motivated, right? I got to get better, and who am I gonna do that? My wife and my daughter stay by my side. My wife's there, and my daughter, my little girl comes in. 
And I'm thinking, she's going to think her dad's a monster. I mean, look at me. No arms, no legs. Pick, you know, uh, pick line out of my neck. Sticking things on my chest. And I think she's going to be so afraid. And then she comes in and she starts to laugh and giggle and play. I'm like, how is she not afraid? And then it dawns on me, oh my gosh, I look like every single toy she's ever been given. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Short arms, short legs, fuzzy chest. I'm a teddy bear. But for these two, I'm going to get better. But how am I going to do it? Well, in my room one day, walked a robot. He said, hey man, welcome to the club. I went back at him. I said, I won't be in your club. He said, kind of late now, don't you think? I said, yep, I guess you got me there. He said, my name's Todd Nicely. I'm a retired corp- or former Marine corporal. I... Uh, was injured. I'm the second ever quadruple amputee. You're the fourth. You are in the best place for you. You're going to walk, drive, feed yourself. Everything you think you can't do, you're going to be able to do again. And two things went through my head that day, right at that moment. Number one, I got someone to look up to, someone that I can ask questions and uh, learn from. And number two, it's probably easy. He's a Marine and he did it. So, <laughs> so anyway, those are my motivating factors, right? And then I had to start setting goals. The first thing I want to be able to do is be able to use my hand again. So I got my hand, and I was able to use it and learn how to open and close it and rotate it. And I took it over to the Fisher house where my parents were staying, and I was able to feed myself for the very first time, five weeks into my recovery. I went ahead and dipped into some lasagna, took a big bite of it, chewed it up, swallowed it, looked at the camera. I was like, mmm, this is good. Next thing I said when the camera cut out, I was like, it's burning my throat. Please someone give me some milk. I'm dying. But I got the shot. The next thing I want to be able to do is be able to walk again, right? I'm tired of sitting in a wheelchair. It's time for me to get up and get out of there. So I went ahead and seven weeks and four days into my recovery, just shy of two months, I put my legs on for the very first time. You know, the military advanced training center is about as big as this room, maybe a little bit smaller, but you can imagine 16 laps around this room right here without where I'm standing on stage here is probably a mile. And they said, you'll probably walk one, uh, one lap today, Travis. And I said, okay, I'm gonna walk three. So I went ahead and I walked three laps. I was sweating profusely. Um, my feet felt like they were in cement and my legs were pooling with blood. So it was very painful. But I said, I'm gonna walk three laps and I did. And when I started to walk those laps, you know, it was painful, but I did it. I finished up the three laps. But one of the hardest things to learn was, you know what, no matter how bad I want to recover, not every day is going to be a victory. Because my dad was at the hospital, but he was on night shift with me, helping me out during nighttime. So he's taking, he was resting up. Um, he missed me walking the first time. So the next day I told him, hey, dad, I'm going to walk five laps today. I was all gun-ho about it. I was motivated. I strapped my, my legs on. I started to walk these five laps. I got half mile or half lap around. My legs seized up so bad I couldn't move anymore and I fell over and I, and I collapsed. And I realized, you know what? Every day is a step in the right direction, but not every day is going to be a victory for me. I got to keep fighting for this. So I was able to start walking again. Now, the next thing I want to be able to do was see my guys get back from Afghanistan. When I was injured on my birthday, I woke up and I called my wife and I called my parents reluctantly. I didn't want to call them. I didn't want to talk to them. But I said to my brother-in-law, Josh, find my unit's number. I need to talk to him. So he called my unit, and when they answered the phone, I said, hey, guys, what's going on? I'm doing great. Thanks for saving my life. You guys did a wonderful job, and I'm going to be fine. I'm going to walk again, drive again. I've seen all this cool stuff. And matter of fact, I'm going to be there when you get home from Afghanistan to welcome you back. And mentally, what I was going through, and emotionally, I would never show them. Always push it forward to the mission, and they had to keep their eye on the prize. So they couldn't worry about what Staff Sergeant Mills was doing back home. So I was able to work out three hours, get my legs for the very first time, take them out of the hospital and drive six and a half hours home to meet them on the tarmac. And uh, the first person I got to hug was actually Dan Bates in the mech to save my life. So those are my short-term goals. Long-term goals, uh, I want to be able to drive again. And I'm just going to warn you guys right now, if you guys come to Maine, where I live at, and you're on the roads, understand that I am there, okay? <laughs> yeah, I have two vehicles. I have a truck and a van. 
And my van's all hand controls, pretty cool technology. My truck is just, I mean, it's, it's got too much power. Uh, I even put a tuner in it just so I could, like here's what happens in Maine. When, when I'm, I'm pretty well known in Maine. I come off a roundabout and I see a state trooper. I'm like, hey man, thanks for what you do. He looks at me and you know what he says? Hey, you're Travis Mills. I said, hey, yes I am. Do you want to race? Yeah. We're already going 45, right? He goes, yes I do. I'm like, all right. And I hammered it. And he had no idea my truck had a tuner in it. So I tripped the tires and <laughs> gone. He pulled me over. Yeah, I like 85 in the school zone, but what, look, let's not get in the weeds of this. He pulls me over because I was beating him. He runs up to the truck. You know what he said to me? Hey, man, can I get a pick? I said, hey, no problem. Just thought you guys should know about that. Get out of jail free card. So I'm going to be able to drive again, and I can do that um, safely. Also, uh, my wife and I thought we should get back and do something good. So we decided that, you know what, we're going to start a nonprofit. So we started a nonprofit, and we want to get back to families that have been through critical injury with physical injuries. So we started the Travis Mills Foundation, and what we do is we bring up veterans that have been through some sort of service-connected injury with paralyzation, amputation, or spinal cord, and we show them how to do things adaptively. Um, we have a state we built in Maine, and it was in pre bad repair after two years of renovations, um, two and a half million dollars of, of uh, money. We were able to open up 2017, and officially bring up eight families per week um, for, this year was uh, 20, 22 weeks, or no, I'm sorry, 30 weeks, and we um, show them how to do things adaptively and say, hey, look, don't give up on yourself, never give up, never quit, keep pushing forward, don't live life on the sidelines, because it's all physical injuries through uh, service, and we have wonderful partnerships with like Wayfair and New Balance, but we give them a chance to get out there and kayak and canoe and anything they want to do. Um, if you guys want to know more, my website is travismills.org. But go ahead and click it, Craig. Let's get to the, where um, healthcare technology, how my hand works. Always, people always wonder how my hand works and stuff like that. So I'll just tell you guys, there's muscle sensors in my forearm. I flex it up slow, it opens, up fast, it rotates, and then down slow and down fast. And I can explain that more in the hallway. And then my legs, people always check my legs out, like right here in the red, you lovely young lady, you've been checking my legs out this whole time. Um, like I'm married, but I do appreciate it. All right, that's all I can give you, that's it. But they're microprocessors, and when I walk, they internally make over 300 adjustments keep me as upright as possible. They help me take away 30% of what muscles are needed for walking. And I'm able to um, drive with them. They're waterproof, which is wonderful because when I fall in the lake and I drown because they're anchors now, someone's getting these donated to them, right? And they have hydraulic brakes, so I got on the ramp, I don't go bowling for people. Every now and then though, on an airplane, someone cuts me off on the jetway and I'm like, you, nope, you messed up. <laughs> Sorry. But, all right, ladies and gentlemen, when I boiled down what life's all about, right, when I figured it out for myself and I was able to think about it, life's all about perspective, okay? So for me, life's all about perspective, and what I mean by that is on the screen, you should see two pictures. You got my good friend, Francis Jean Phillips IV, and my other buddy, Brandon. So Francis Jean Phillips IV was in my unit, um, my first two deployments, a great friend of mine, went everywhere with that guy, me and my buddy, Justin. On his third deployment out of Fort Bliss, Texas, his truck hit a bomb. Everybody in that truck died. It's unfortunate. It's sad, but true. And here's the thing, he left behind his wife, Christine, his daughter, Sophia. And I still talk to his wife, and his wife tells me she'd give anything to have him in my situation. And I understand that. And I talk to his mom still, and his mom says, you know what, Travis, I'd give anything for one more conversation with him. So for me, when I wake up in the morning, I have no arms and legs, I realize how fortunate am I how lucky am I to still be here? Whether it was, it was, it was the doctor's hard work, um, 
being guided by, by God or however you want to come to the conclusion that I lived, how lucky am I to still be here? So for me, when I see um, the people that have lost their life, Brandon Goodine, 17-year-old kid, stepped on a bomb, triple, or, I'm sorry, 19-year-old kid, he joined with 17, 19-year-old kid, stepped on a bomb, triple amputee, they put him on a stretcher, carried him out, the, carrier, the guy's carrying the stretcher on the right, um, front right, hit another bomb. Brandon Goodine lost his life, left behind a seven-month-old daughter. Only those pictures and stories of, his dad, or of her dad. So it would be a selfish slap in the face if I give up myself to their, you know, to their service and their sacrifice and their family sacrifice. So for me, there's them plus the doctors and nurses and the well wishes across this great nation that didn't give up on me. Loosened one tourniquet and guess what? I'm done. I got to meet six of the nine doctors that worked on me. Four of them there were on stage. They kept asking, is he mad? Is he upset? Is he, this is a curse, not a blessing. And I broke down and I cried a little bit. I said, guys, thank you so much for allowing me to be here with my family, allowing me to have the opportunity to watch my daughter grow. My wife and I this year just celebrated our 11th year of marriage. And <laughs> you've been married that long, you know, it's, it's not like a picnic every day, but you know, she's lucky to have me, basically. So, <laughs> no, I'm lucky to have her, obviously. But, but here's the thing. There's two life lessons that I like to share with everybody that I learned through my whole entire experience here. And these are two things I live by every single day. And the first thing that I learned through my experience was don't dwell on the past. I used to sit in my hospital bed and question, you know, why this happened? I used to wonder, how do I go back in time? How do I make this, how do I make this happen, um, to, you know, not to me? How do I make this be the Taliban that gets hit? And it turns out, no matter how many times I closed my eyes and I hoped and I wished and I prayed to go back in time, it never was going to happen. Unfortunately, the past is the past. So instead of dwelling on the past, I just reminisce it. I had 25 amazing years with arms and legs. And I've had seven incredible years without them. I've had one bad day at work, though. Ooh, real case on the Mondays. But the next thing I always tell every audience I get the chance to talk to is, you know what? You can't always control your situation. But you can always control your attitude. For me, when I wake up every morning, I have no arms and legs on. Right? That's just the life I live. But when I get out of bed, I jump in my wheelchair, I get my arm off the charger, because it has to charge every night, I slap it on, and I go ahead and head down to get coffee. My daughter comes down to get coffee. My wife will come down later. My daughter doesn't get coffee. She's only eight years old. She comes down and has breakfast. And I realize that, you know what? Maybe I can't control the situation having no arms and legs, but I can make sure I control my attitude. And I'm going to have the best attitude every day of my life, because I'm fortunate to still be here and to make it. Now, another thing that I don't really talk about, but you know what? There are still hard days. I tell people everything's always, you know, going really great for me, and, I, and it is. It truly is. I, I live in a nation that takes care of me. Um, my my health care is out of this world, as well as I own a couple businesses, and my nonprofit's doing, doing very well. But there are those times when you have to question why this happened, and you start to wonder, am I a bad person? You know, did I deserve this? And you know what? Sometimes you got to question, was this God's plan for me? And until you let go of the hate and the anger of what happened to you, you can't realize that, you know what, if this is your plan, what do you have for me? What am I supposed to do? Because this was not my life plan. <laughs> Having no arms and legs was not what I wanted. But it's the situation that I live in. I have the best attitude about it. I will keep working every day to live a positive and uplifting life. And for me to go out and speak and to have my nonprofit, I've been able to touch so many lives. 
I've been able to help people through my YouTube videos and things like that that I'll never, ever get the chance to meet. So if that's the plan for me, I'm going to do it. I guess that's what I think my calling is now. And I think it's up to every single one of us to figure out what are we doing positively and what is the mission that we were given. So, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, I talked a lot of corporate things. I don't get in a lot of the, the everyday religious stuff um, that people sometimes will get offended at. But with this crowd, I can open up about it. And I appreciate that. Because for me, it's not every day I have to reaffirm my faith. But every once in a while, it'll creep in. And you'll wonder why. I'll never have that answer. But I live a pretty positive life because I know that there is some mission and something out there that I'm supposed to be doing. And I hopefully am doing what God's plan is. I appreciate so much you guys coming to listen to me today, hear my story. If you guys want to meet me in the back after this, I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor Craig. And um, I just want to say thank you so much. And remember to every day, never give up and never quit. Because that's how I live it. You guys have a great day. Take care. Appreciate it. Is that okay? All right. Thank you, Travis. All right, am I on? Nope. Still on. Just remain standing, if you would. Um, in just a moment, Travis is going to be in the back lobby. If you'd like to meet him, uh, he would love to meet you and uh, love to encourage you. And one of the things I love about Travis's story is that um, it, it's a reminder that no matter what you're going through, there's somebody going through something even worse. And his message of, hey, don't live in the past, just trust God in the present is something that he lives day in and day out. It's a great reminder for us as we start into the new year. Some of you, you're looking at the past and thinking, man, I wish that that would be different or 2019 would have been different or my life would have been different. But to choose to not dwell in the past, but to trust God in the present and for your future is how you begin to live out God's purpose and God's plan for your life. Paul said, I, I've put the past behind me and I strive forward to the high call of God in Christ Jesus. And uh, my prayer for you today is that you would put your past 2019 right where it belongs behind you and you would strive forward to what God's plan is for you today. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, I thank you so much for your unfailing love for us. That no matter what our past has had, no matter what trials or crisis or trouble that we've had to walk through, that your love for us has never changed. That you sent Christ to die on a cross for us, to rise again from the dead so that we could live a new life we could be forgiven, we could know you, and we could fulfill the purpose and plan you have for us. And Lord, I pray for those that are in this room right now that are dwelling on the past, and that have allowed the hurts and pains of the past to hold them back. That today would be a new day, the first day, the first Sunday 
of this new year to choose to put that past behind them and to trust you, God, to trust you with their present, to trust you with their future. Lord, we pray for Travis today. Lord, I thank you that that you're using him to encourage people, to build people up. Lord, I pray you continue to meet his needs and keep him close to you and his family. And Lord, that you would uh, flourish uh, the ministry that he has. And Father, I pray that we would walk out today with a greater confidence to look forward to embrace what you have for us. Lord, thank you for your promise. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.